If you do any prospecting with LinkedIn, you have got to go get set up with Surf. That's S-U-R-F-E. It's a tool you can use to add new contacts to your CRM system directly from LinkedIn in seconds. I'm using it every single day. I add contacts, follow my deals, keep track of notes, and it ends up saving me a bunch of time on prospecting and outreach, which means I can spend more time moving my deals along. The data is always 100% accurate since I don't have to copy and paste all the fields over from each and every contact that I want to put in my CRM. Instead, Surf does that all automatically with just one click in about 60 seconds. The team over at Surf has put together a very special offer for fans of sales players. There's a link down in the show notes and you can use the promo code JWSURF5. Don't forget the E at the end of Surf. That's JWSURF5 for 5% off your first year. Don't spend another minute doing things manually. Go get set up with Surf. My guest today is Tim Zielinski. Tim is a regional vice president of strategic sales at Dynatrace. He's also the author of Sell with Swagger. Now, Tim comes on the show to talk about how he got started in the tech business. He actually started his career in a technical engineering role and then moved all around these different early stage SaaS startups to get a better business acumen and ultimately improve his ability to sell and understand the big picture behind the tech business. We get into some of the insights from his book, Sell with Swagger. I've got a link in the show notes if you're interested in picking up a copy. And overall, this is an amazing conversation filled with a lot of different takeaways that you can implement right away. So with that said, welcome, Tim, to the SaaS Sales Players. Tim, we are live. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Thanks for having me, Jesse. I'm uh, honored to be here and looking forward to the discussion. Fantastic. So first thing, first order of business on the show is my listeners always like to hear how you got into this crazy business of tech sales. Tell us the story uh, of where you come from how you landed in your current role. And of course, tell us what your current role is and, and what you're doing today would, would help also. Yeah. So when I went to college, I actually studied computer science and I got a bachelor's degree in computer science. So I come from a nerd background, I guess you could say. Um, uh, and out of college, I was a programmer. I was a developer, Java programmer for a couple different startup companies. I also did like some web page development, web page design. And then I'd say in the first two and a half years after college, I probably had four different jobs at different startups and whatnot as a programmer. Uh, yeah. I did some architect work also. And then I just got more interested in the business side of things. So, Interesting. yep. Uh, and I got contracted at another company and I got in tech support. <laughs> so I was okay. actually answering the phones on a technical product um, yeah. and trying to solve customer complaints and problems and issues. And then I got into marketing from that with no marketing training, but I got into marketing because the product they were trying to market was very technical in nature. And they right. felt like they needed somebody that had the technical background. Um, and then when I was in product marketing, I got over into online digital marketing, which is great because with that, you're trying to find you know, what email subject lines have a good response rate? What what do you put in an email to get a good response rate? How do you attract an audience? So I learned all that, which really helps in sales. And then I got uh, into an SDR role, inside wow. sales, field sales, 
then I became a regional director. So I managed about six field sales reps. And then now I'm a regional vice president of strategic acquisition sales across the U.S. for Dynatrace. So this is really cool. Uh, I've, I've got a lot of follow-up questions on this. And something that I'm, I'm noting here is you've kind of run the gamut in the technology business. You've sat in a lot of different chairs and experienced a lot of different parts of what makes up a tech company. And one of the themes that I talk about a lot on the show and something that I've observed for my own career and those of the you know highly successful reps that have come on the show, and of course, my, my you know colleagues and counterparts who've done really well, uh, is that they have experience doing a lot of wearing a lot of different hats in a tech company like that. Uh, because what I think is the best reps end up or the, the best reps are actually just really good business people. It's they're they're good sellers, but they're good, they're great business people because they can understand how all the moving parts piece together and mm -hmm. how that value can then be transferred to a prospect or, you know, of course, a customer. So I think it's really cool that you did quite a few different turns in in the business. I'm assuming this was all in pretty early stage startups, or were you at larger, you know, software tech brands? No, they were small. I mean, one of the companies was probably 40 people. Uh, they're both under 100 people. They were all both like under small, 100. Yeah, small groups. And I would say, like to your point, I totally agree with that. I mean, when I got into sales, yes, I was hungry to to close deals and do business and make money, but also yeah. I was coming at it from a different angle where I truly understood my customer and I truly understood their problems because I was selling to the people that I was. I yeah. was in IT. I yeah. was a developer, and and people could tell that. So, you know, just sometimes in our language, like some of the things mm -hmm. I would say, you know, this, this being a tech podcast, there's little yeah. techie buzzwords you can say that just make your audience feel like, oh, this guy knows me. Like, for instance, in my world, it's like JVM or .NET or Node.js or, you know, all these technologies or Azure, AWS, like you start ripping off these technologies or maybe it's something like Jenkins or things. Sure. And people can tell like you're really knowledgeable about the subject. And you're not just a salesperson. And that's something I think um, really changed the game for me because as soon as they see, when you come to them and they know you're a salesperson, just in their mind, whether they're consciously thinking it or subconsciously, usually it's subconsciously, they're like, this is a salesperson. They're just trying to get paid mm -hmm. or yep. take their wife on a trip to Europe or they're just looking for the commission right. check and then they're gone. I'm not gonna yeah. be able to get a hold of them anymore after they sell this deal. Right. But if they see you not as that and as like a consultant, Mm -hmm. Like a trusted advisor, someone that can help me solve a business problem, the business and the deals, they just happen so much easier. And I feel like with my background, that really helped me achieve that trusted advisor status. So I have this a little bit. I'm not from a technical background, although I did I did some night classes when I lived in Austin at the, the University of Texas in computer science, because after I got into the tech world, I thought I should probably at least understand how code works, right? And how, you know, a website or a, a software application can come together. So I beefed that skill set up after I was already in, you know, kind of a tech selling career. Uh, but but what I do now is I sell to the contact center. So I sell to, you know, customer service teams and I started my career in customer service. So I have, you know, similar to what you were saying, when you've been in tech support and you're selling to a tech support person, you have that authenticity that you just can't really get elsewhere unless you've done the job and been in the trenches. And I think it's been something that's really helped me in and, and why I'm staying in sort of the category of SaaS that I'm in right now is because when I talk to my prospects, I convey that I know what I'm talking about because I did their job at one point. Right. And, oh, yeah. you know, that empathy comes out that, uh, you know, ability to kind of talk the industry lingo and, and get very specific about 
knowing how their goals are, are measured and how they're, they're measured as professionals really, really helps. I think for anyone listening out there, and I, I talk about this a lot. I actually just recently had another guest who had come from the hotel and hospitality industry, and she jumped into a SaaS company that sells to hotels and hospitality. So anytime, if you're a career transitioner or you're even an early career tech sales, try to leverage and, and parlay whatever your background has been in and see if you can sell a SaaS product back to the people that you know were your peers or you know were, were doing the same job that you've done in the past. I think that's really interesting. And I, yeah, I can imagine that your, your sales presentation is just so much different than even, you know, uh, others in your, in your space, because you've got that, you know, knowledge to back it all up. That's very cool. And, and I would say too, like even amongst our sales engineers, uh, they're usually the ones that do demos and help clients try our product. The sales engineers that come from being a customer, like they worked for the customers we're yeah. selling to, they just resonate so much more with the client base because they have real life stories of when they used our product to solve real problems. And that goes so far because if you don't have that experience, the client is just thinking, oh, well, this is just what the salesperson thinks. This is just right. their hypothesis. They've never sure. actually experienced it. But when you've got that real experience, it just, it man, it just resonates so much more with people. Yeah. Something else I wanted to, to touch on too. So a, a lot of my listeners reach out and they're early in their sales careers or early in their technology careers. And in a lot of cases, they're transitioning from another industry uh, or maybe they're in their first like sales development representative role. And I hear a lot, man, I've got to get myself to one of those top five tech companies, uh, or I need to go work for this unicorn SaaS company that's out in San Francisco. Right. And I, I came from more of a startup background. So similar to yours where you're talking, you know, sub 100 employees. And I don't think that with, you know, without having that experience, I wouldn't have been able to go and shadow, you know, folks in different roles and, and, and developers and, and solutions and, and customer success and marketing. Mm -hmm. So I think, you know, something to consider if you're out there thinking about how to build up your, you know, quote unquote business experience in the tech business, uh, you know, do what Tim did, which is go to a, you know, 40 person sub 100 person startup where you can have the opportunity to wear a lot of hats. And even if you don't formally get those roles, it's a lot easier to to go and shadow, you know, your team members when you're less than a hundred employees and you're all working in the same building uh, or, you know, you're all in a, a small Slack channel for the company. It's a lot easier than when you go to these, you know, big 10,000 plus person SaaS companies where it's just gonna be much harder to go and shadow someone on the marketing team without lots of bureaucracy. So I think that's, you know, another, another thing I'm, I'm gathering from your experience is had you gone and started your career at, I don't want to name any specific SaaS brands, but you know, the ones I'm talking about, the ones that have raised, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars and their unicorns, it would have been probably a lot harder to go and do some of the things that you've done so far in your career. Yeah. And I would say too, like, you know, when I was coming from the tech background and I wanted to get in sales, um, people would always say, well, you're a techie, you can't do sales. <laughs> you're going to have to, you're going to have to, you know, start out in telemarketing and it's going to take you a long time and blah, blah, blah. You need to have some sales classes, experience, and all that kind of stuff. They, they told me that, like, you can't do it, right? You're, yeah. you're a programmer. And then I became really successful as a salesperson. And now people are like, well, of course you're successful because you were a programmer. You were a developer. <laughs> you know how the sausage gets made. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, well, you can't have it both ways, right? And, right. And some people always say to me too, like, well, you have an unfair advantage because you were a programmer. And I don't think you need to necessarily be actually be your audience to sell better to them, but you certainly sure. need to understand them. And I, I've seen some salespeople, like as soon as the customer asks a technical question, 
They're like, I don't know the answer to any technical questions. Let me get my engineer. Let me get my like, right. Like the client understands for a lot of like deep technical stuff, you're going to need your sales engineer. But mm -hmm. as a salesperson, you do need to understand at a high level what your product does and how it solves their business problems. You don't need to answer every tech question. But if you're also the one that can't really articulate some some basic stuff, they do like clients do look at you like this person really doesn't understand their thing. I don't know if I can trust them on what they're saying. So you got to have some knowledge of what you're selling to have it be more sticky to people to get them interested in it. Yeah, no, I think that's that's fantastic. Would you ever go back to doing, you know, development work and, and programming or at this point, no, are you <laughs> the cats out of the fun. bag? Yeah, I'm having yeah. too much fun with what I'm doing. I mean, back then I liked being a programmer because it was solving problems, solving these business problems. But yeah. they were like small, minute problems. It was just me and my my computer screen. <laughs> now I'm on the business side of things and I can solve much bigger problems that impact more people. So it's more more fun now. Yeah. So so talk to us a little bit about you you know you made the transition through these different roles, particularly the tech role into, you know, the being a technical or, or development role into being a seller. What were some of the the things that you did to you know, jumpstart that part of your career, jumpstart the selling aspect of your career? Um, I mean, self-learning, you know, I didn't yeah. go to college to learn a lot of these things. I always had the ambition and the drive. Uh, the grit, so to speak, which you definitely got to have that. And I was motivated by by winning and I was very competitive and wanted to make a lot of money. But certainly if I was in the car, I was listening to a podcast or I had yeah. some kind of audio program on about sales. I used to have this CD pack, David Sandler, best of David Sandler <laughs> sales pack. I listened That's to those awesome. over and over um, books. I would yeah. read books. I would study. I, I mean, I talk about it um, in my book that I wrote. There's a chapter called Sharpen the Saw. And mm -hmm. I dedicated a whole chapter to that because I do think it's so important is, yes, I worked my my eight to five business hours or whatever they were. Those were my like prime time selling hours. But outside of that, it's time for me to like sharpen my saw so I can be more effective as a seller. And that was going to seminars, getting a mentor yeah. to teach me stuff like my manager, books, podcasts, all those things. Love that. Yeah. So before we jump into your book, because I definitely want to talk about some of the insights uh, you know, that you've now put into to, to writing yourself, were there any were there any books by written by others that really heavily influenced your trajectory into your sales career? Um yeah, there's so many. I mean, one of them that I really liked was The Ultimate Sales Machine by Chet Holmes. Um I, I just read I yeah, I just recently read that one. That's a it's 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 dated in some ways because I think he talks about things like making sure to fax your order forms or, yeah. or whatever, <laughs> but the, the, the principles in the book are timeless. And so I, I would recommend that for anybody just get past the sort of, you know, references to fax machines or, or, you know, yeah. uh, so some of the things are a little bit dated, but the principles themselves are actually really amazing. Um, Absolutely. You can say the same thing about David Sandler. I mean, I have the yeah. best of Sandler's uh, CD pack and some of those recordings are like 30 years old, 40 years old, <laughs> but the principles, just like you're saying, the principles are the same. The techniques might be a little different because you might, you know, we're selling tech and some of those people were selling other things, but the principles are the same. Um, I would say another book, Mike Weinberg, New Sales Simplified. That's good. I really like Anthony and Reno books. Um, yeah, I mean, there's there's so many. Those are just some of the basic ones I can that come to mind. Yeah, no, that, that's cool. So it sounds like, you know, when you writing a book, you're 
in some ways probably scratching your own itch. Uh, and this is, this is why I started the podcast is because I, I consumed so many podcasts that I said I should put out my own podcast because there's a specific, you, you know, niche aspect of this industry that I want to be able to address. And if no one's going to do it, then I'm going to do it myself. So to that end, or, you know, on that note, talk to us a little bit about the book and, you know, what inspired it and, uh, you know, everything from the tight, you give us, give us the skinny on the book. Um, but I'd love to also hear sort of the creative process behind how you launched it and and what gave you the idea for it. Yeah. Um, kind of similar to you, uh, what, what, you, what you said. Um, yeah. I hate writing. I'm not mm-hmm. a writer. <laughs> I have friends that, you know, every night before they go to bed, they'll journal for 15, 20 minutes. I tried that. I would rather chew and swallow broken glass than journal. I just, it's not, <laughs> it is yeah. just not my thing. It's very painful. And you read enough books and podcasts and people suggest things and they kind of stick with you. And I guess writing a book, authoring a book is something that just stuck with me. It came up several times and I would hear that voice in the back of my head and I'd say, no, I hate writing. I'm not going to do that. No, I hate writing. I'm not going to do that. And uh, my company then also uh, had me start teaching little classes here and there. Like it might be a class on prospecting or closing a deal. And over time you start teaching that stuff. And it is very, very gratifying because some of those classes people would go to and they'd come back to me and they'd ask more questions. And they say, man, really, thanks for sharing that, putting that together. It was really valuable information. And you get a couple comments like that and you start feeling good. And you're like, man, maybe I do have some like good stuff to share. And the process of the book was really that this voice in my head saying, you got to do it. I tried to write it a couple times and hated it. (laughs) Didn't like doing it. Um, But over time, I just kept building up content through trainings I had done with my sales team or at my company Dynatrace. And eventually Mm -hmm. I got to the point where I'm like, look, this voice won't go away. It's been in the back of my head for years. Uh, I, you know, people say how long did it take to write the book? I say seven years because I (laughs) literally tried starting it then and I would stop and start, stop and start. And then two years ago is when I really got serious. And I said, I have most of the content for the book in different places. I just got to organize it and put it together. And so two years ago is when I got serious. And, um, you know, now it's been out for like two and a half months or so. This seems to be a pretty common theme with content creators. Uh, and in, you know, in the big scheme of things, I'm pretty new to, to content creation, but I know from the time that I had the idea for the podcast, I think it was about a year that, that elapsed before I actually started trying to record, you know, interviews like this. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, and, and the biggest mental hurdle for anyone out there who's interested in producing content, whether that's as simple as, you know, social media posts on LinkedIn or Twitter or something like that, or something as lofty as writing a book. Uh, it's really the, the, the enemy is this, this mindset that, you know, you're afraid of, of the criticism. I think that was, at least for me, it was, and maybe that wasn't the case for you, but I had this just big mental hurdle to get over of, of not feeling like I was adding anything new to the conversation or not feel, you know, worried that I was going to get a lot of feedback and criticism on what I put out. And once you can tune that voice out, however you have to do that, uh, you can, you know, you can push past that and just start producing your early content's not going to be great. I'm sure those early revisions of the book weren't, you know, what you think was your best work. Right. right but right. kudos for getting, you know, the product launched. Right. Cause that's really, that's it. That's the battle is if you got to get, you got to get something out there into the marketplace, into the, you know, ether. And until you do that, 
it's all just gonna, you know, be boiling around in your head. So that's, that's cool to hear that you went through that. I mean, seven years is a long yeah. time. Well, um, sometimes I'll joke with people too, cause they'll ask me questions on, you know, what do you think about this? Or how do I do that? And how do I do that? And I'm like, well, that's why I wrote the book. Cause I got sick of answering that question so many times. <laughs> now I can just say, go to this page of the book, read it. And you know, saves me a lot of time. <laughs> So the book's called Sell with Swagger, The Quick Hit Guide to Crushing Your Quota. Uh, you know, tell us maybe in, in give us the elevator pitch. Why, uh, you know, why should I think about picking up the book? What's sort of the the primary theme and, and maybe what makes it different from some of the other sales books out there? Yep. I think number one, I wrote it for salespeople. And to me, every salesperson has ADD. Just... <laughs> yeah, that's so <laughs> we true. Have, we have ADD so bad. So... I thought about that. And then also a lot of salespeople I know, they just don't read books. They listen to Audible because they have they struggle reading. It's uh, a lot of books are long and deep. They go really deep into a topic. And my book was written for salespeople that have ADD. So the chapters are very short and consumable. A mm -hmm. lot of the chapters are maybe a page or two. And then it has an action item. So each chapter is summarized with an action item that says, okay, here was the idea from the chapter, do this, build this into your practice, make it a habit, so to speak, and it will help you be more successful as a salesperson. So it's it's broken down like that. And it's also meant to be a book where you could dive in at any point. Like, let's just say somebody picked the book up and opened it right in the middle. Yeah. You'd be able to read two pages and get something out of it because the chapters are short and there's an actionable item there. So um yeah. I, and that was it. And it's funny too. When I wrote it, like people were, people were like, what's the goal? What's the goal? What's the goal? How many books do you want to sell? Do you want to do a speaking career? I'm like, no, I just want to get this voice to stop talking to me in my head. That I need to write the book. <laughs> so literally yeah. writing the book and getting it out was, uh, was really the goal. And, and hopefully, um, hopefully some salespeople get some value out of it. Yeah. Now did you, so you may have already said this and I missed it. Uh, sales, salesperson ADHD coming in. Um, <laughs> Was it was it self-published or did you get a publisher to to work with you on it? I got a publisher, Lioncrest. Oh, very cool. Uh, yeah. I, yeah, that's that's great. And and it's available on on Amazon. Is is there a direct website where where reps can can pick up the book? I I didn't build a website. It's just uh, it it's on Amazon. Yep, it's the only place. Cool. I'm gonna drop the link. Yeah, I'm gonna drop the link to this. I've got the the you know page here on Amazon. Uh, I'll put a link in the show notes for anyone who wants to to go take a look at the book. And looks like you got a couple of versions here. It's a hard copy and a paperback version. If uh, if you had to summarize one of the most important pieces in in the book for sellers, uh, maybe that's a chapter, maybe that's a quote, something in the in the book itself. Uh, what would that be? The, the number one most important thing in your mind, and I know it's probably hard to boil it down to one. <laughs> that's a tough I, question, but no, it's a good question. I know what I'm going to say, and most salespeople yeah, aren't going to cool. like it. But I would say time management, because the role of a salesperson is so many things. You have to be somebody that can prospect. You got to be good at uh, calling people, voicemails, handling objections. You got to know how to close deals. You got to know how to make deals bigger. You got to work with your partners, whether that's like an SDR or a sales engineer. You got to know your tech. You got to know your product well enough to sell it. I mean, there's just so many things. And then also like yeah. with management, you got to update your CRM, Salesforce. You got to be able to forecast. You, it is, yeah. a, it is a tough job that most people can't do it. Most people don't want to do it because it is that difficult. The reason I say time management is I feel like um, a lot of people, because they have ADD in sales, 
they just kind of run around with their like a chicken with their head cut off all day and i right i kind of i get it there is so much to do and you can be so busy but in sales if you don't manage your time well you're going to burn out first off <laughs> like yeah. you're going to burn yourself out and uh you're not going to want to be in sales anymore but if you truly manage your time and say what are the most important things i need to do today for instance yeah. prospecting we're in sales prospecting is a huge thing I find this happens all the time. People say, okay, tomorrow I'm going to do my prospecting. And they come into the office <laughs> yep. and they check their email. They get busy. Um, a customer calls them. They got to handle that issue. Then their boss calls them. Hey, you need to update the CRM. Get in Salesforce. Do your updates. And then, you know, a bunch of other things go on through the day. And then it gets to the end of the day, like four o'clock. And you're like, shoot, oh, I said I was going to do my prospecting today. Ah, oh, the day just got away from me. You know yeah. what? I'll just do my prospecting tomorrow. I mean, that to me is a perfect example of mm -hmm. not being good with time management because prospecting, if we don't do that, we don't have a pipeline. We don't have any deals to close. So, but someone that's good at time management, they block time in their calendar to do the important things. And if you do the important things, I think in sales, you're, you're always going to be su successful, but there's so much to do. Sometimes people yeah. are busy, mm -hmm. but being busy doesn't mean you're going to be successful in sales. Oh, that's amazing. That it's so true. And I think, you know, to, to summarize too, something that, that you're pointing out here is the importance of consistency, because this is a game of consistency, just like anything else in life. If you want to, you know, get, go get in shape or something, if you want to, uh, you know, create a product or, or write a book, like it, it's not so much about, uh, you know, big heroic efforts once a week. It's about like, small dailies that compound yep. over a long period of time. And in your, you know, in your example, that those dailies are blocking time to to do your prospecting and not just blocking it on your calendar. Cause by the way, I've also been guilty of blocking, you know, an hour for prospecting and then, you know, finding myself at the 45 minute mark of that block, having done yeah. nothing yet. So it's about also holding yourself accountable to those time blocks and, you know, truing up at the end of the day and saying, okay, yeah, I had that blocked in my calendar for an hour. Did I actually make the calls? Did I actually do the research on this account? Did I actually reach out to the prospects at, at my targets? Right. So I think that's, that's fantastic. What kind of advice in, you know, in the book, do you give sellers to, to help be more accountable or, or is there anything, you know, in the book that kind of speaks to how you can get more, uh, you know, get more on target with that or to, to get more in sync on that with yourself. Yeah, I think basically. There's, there's at least two, cha three chapters that go into detail on how I like structured my day. I used to do time blocking um, and then using tasks to figure out what are your top priorities. So it, it's in the book. And I think most people read it and be like, oh yeah, that makes sense. I don't think anybody's going to read the book and be like, oh my gosh, this is the greatest <laughs> idea that's never been talked about. Before. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't think there's anything like that in the book. It's more, you know, I heard this one time and I think it's so, so true. I, it's, it's more important to be reminded than instructed. Sure. Which I think at the end of the day, we all know what we should do and what to do to be successful in sales. It's just sometimes we forget or we get busy and we don't do what's important. So I think the book is more of those reminders of, of what and how you do it. Um, but I would say, just going back to your question, it's really about like time blocking and being disciplined. Because if I go back to my example on the prospecting, that's another thing some people do is they maybe say, okay, I'm going to block out 60 minutes for prospecting. And they get going mm -hmm. and then 15 minutes into it, they get a text or, Hey, somebody just replied to me on LinkedIn. I'm going to go, oh, right. oh, I just got an email up there. Let me go chase that. <laughs> 
mean, there yep. are so many distractions. If somebody can really block their time and be focused on a single task and an output, that, I, I don't know, that to me is really what helped me be successful. That, I'm going to sound bite because I'm not going to be able to, to recap what you just said about reminders, but that's a topic I've thought about a lot, which is, for example, my best sales managers didn't necessarily teach me anything new or revolutionary about sales, but they were really good at reminding me of the fundamentals because that's where, so I don't know how you worded that, but that was perfect. And I've been, I've been thinking about that a lot, which is, huh, it's not about the revolutionary information. It's not about the novel stuff. It's about just always going back to those same fundamentals, uh, fundamentals and being reminded over and over again. And yeah, I think the manager example, hopefully, you know, showcases that, but I think, you know, on a personal level, going back to to some of the basic concepts and, you know, when you pick up a new sales book, it isn't necessarily about finding that silver bullet, right? I think a lot of us want to fit, you know, want to believe that there's some magic out there and, or silver bullet out there that's going to help us level right. up in some way, but it's less about that and more about, you know, repetition uh, of, yeah, of concepts, exactly. reminders to your, you know, to, to the way you said it. So that was, that's amazing. Well, it's like, um, I don't know. We always want to chase the new shiny object. What's the new like thing I can do to change things up? And I like, you know, I've read books on Vince Lombardi. I'm sure many people have sure. heard of him, but he was the famous Green Bay Packers football coach. And, uh, and, and even a lot of football coaches today, they just say, we're going to focus on blocking and tackling because mm -hmm. at the end of the day, that's what football is. But uh, Vince Lombardi, I love what he used to say. And I'm going to just paraphrase because I don't know it exactly, but he would talk about like the halfback sweep. And that was a play right. that his teams always ran. And I think it was an interview or something reporter was like, well, you can't just keep running that play because eventually other teams are going to pick up on it and they're going to know how to expose it and it's not going to work. And Vince Lombardi would say, we are going to practice that play so many times and know it so well inside and out. It doesn't matter if the other team, if I told the other team we're about ready to run the halfback sweep, he's like, it wouldn't matter because we know that play so well, we will run it and it will work. And that's, you know, that's to me sales. It's like, we always want the new quick and easy way, but mm -hmm. it's, it's the basic blocking and tackling type stuff. And like you said, it's, it's, uh, it's being reminded most of the time. We all know how to do this stuff. We all know we should do it. It's just, maybe we haven't built it into our daily practice or it's not a habit yet, or maybe yeah. we used to do it and we forgot and we, we went down a different track. That's great. That's great. What, what's, uh, you know, one big thing that you see a lot of reps doing incorrectly, whether that's, and obviously don't call out anybody on your specific team, but you know, maybe <laughs> industry wise, <laughs> yeah, you don't have to call out any specific names, but what are some things that you see are, are kind of big faux pas in, in the space right now that are an easy fix for, for sellers? Um, and maybe it's just because we were talking about it, but I think time management is a big okay. one. That's just, yeah. it's huge. At least in my role right now, like my sellers are very focused on pipeline generation, PG, finding mm -hmm. opportunities. And that requires a discipline of sending out lots of emails, doing the cold calls. I know the phone is scary. It has teeth. <laughs> it's hairy. Yeah. It's ugly. You don't want to pick it up. But at the end of the day, I mean, that's one of the best vehicles to find opportunities and get conversations going. And it's also the tough work, right? So if you don't block your calendar and really be disciplined on, okay, I'm going to do this many dials or I'm going to do this many emails, a lot of times you could be busy and just not do that. And you, 
you can fill up a whole day of eight hours, but if you're not doing the activities that are going to lead to you being successful and hitting your quota, it's, it's, it's just not going to happen. Yeah, so, that's, I, I think you're, you're exactly right. The, the time management, being consistent, holding yourself accountable to what your targets are and taking that accountability into your own business, because that's, again, just like anything else that, that you want to achieve in life. Uh, it's, it's a game of compounding and, and, you know, results come with, with time and effort and consistency, not from, you know, big heroic out of the blue efforts, right? There's, there's yeah. very few bluebirds in the tech sales world and the big scheme of things they do happen, but you know, most success comes from that, that consistent, uh, output. Well, I think time management allows you to focus on the important things. And I've heard it talked about with, with light, Right. Like light's a powerful force. It moves very quickly, you know, all those things. But it 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 only becomes really powerful when it's focused. And focused light is a laser. And lasers mm -hmm. can cut diamonds. Right. But it has wow. to be focused light. And to me, that's really what the time management allows you to do. It's it's focusing you on the most important activities that are gonna get you to the result you want. Oh, that's a cool analogy. I like that a lot. Uh yeah, that that makes perfect sense. I wish sense. I could say I made it up, but I'm sure I stole it from some book somewhere. <laughs> well, Tim, what's what's next from here? So you're you know you're leading a team. Uh, you've got the book out. Uh, are we to expect a, a road show uh, or you know a seminar tour or something like that here in the future, or maybe a course uh, or something along those lines? Um, I don't know. I, I mean, at this point, I'm just happy I have the book out, and I haven't really pursued anything else. Um, and I love what I do, uh, at Dynatrace. So, um, at this point, no, no speaking tour, no follow on, but you know, if people come to be requested, who knows, I might, uh, might be something that I'm interested in. We'll see, I guess. <laughs> so I like your approach cause it's very similar to mine. A lot of people ask, you know, okay, you got the podcast going, you've been doing it for a couple of years now. When, when can we expect the, the world tour, uh, or when are you going to be on stage with so-and-so at, you know, when, when are you going to put out like a, uh, a retreat somewhere in the mountains where everyone can go and I don't know, like <laughs> meditate and learn about sales. I'm not yeah. opposed to doing these things, by the way, I would love to to do something like that. I did my first kind of micro meetup recently. Uh, but you know, I, I when I set out to do this, I, I don't, I wanted to more just again, to your, to, to kind of your same vision, put something out there and have something out there, not really knowing where it was going to take me. And I'm glad so far at, at some of the opportunities that have come to me personally from having content out there in the market. And I'm sure you're, you're feeling the same way. Uh, but I think it's okay for anyone out there listening who wants to just, you know, produce something to not have to have some kind of in game with it. It doesn't have to be a billion dollar business someday, right? You don't have to become the next Tony Robbins or, or uh, you know, whoever named the, you know, influencer on, on social media. Yeah. But I think you can have content that supports your personal brand. And if that personal brand only serves to help you close more deals in your individual contributor role, awesome. That mission accomplished, right? And if it opens up, you know, speaking gigs and roadshows and retreats in the mountains and Tony Robbins stuff, even better. Right. Yeah, yeah. And you know, somewhere in the middle of that is a nice side hustle that, that produces some extra cash that you can put away to, to take your family on a trip or, you know, put into the stock market or whatever you want to do with it. Right. So I think it's really cool. I like your approach. Uh, I think, you know, a lot of reps can learn from what you're doing, which is if you've got ideas and you have, uh, you know, knowledge floating around in your, in your brain, put it to yep. paper, put it, you know, like you said, consolidate it all in one place and just 
put that out there and you just never really know what doors are going to open from that. So I think your, your approach is awesome. I'm excited to check out the book myself. Where can my listeners get in touch with you if they want to? Um, LinkedIn is probably the best, uh, best place. Um, just look up Tim Zielinski and I'm probably one of the few Tim Zielinski's in Cleveland, Ohio. Nice. <laughs> I, I work at Dynatrace, so they should be able to, it should be able to find it. Yeah. And I'll, I'll post your, your profile uh, link in the show notes. Any final words of wisdom for the listeners out there relating to sales, business, the tech business, life in general? Uh, we'd appreciate any words of wisdom you can impart on us. Yeah, I guess I'd say two things. As you were just talking there, I mean, I totally agree on the approach and why I create content. And another reason why I wrote the book is I felt like in my sales career, I kind of had to fumble through and figure things out. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I've read hundreds of books, podcasts, just putting all this information together. And then to me, it was like, I took years figuring all that out and spending that time. Why don't I bubble it down into a book of, to me, the important points that I pulled out so somebody can decrease the time, right? For instance, if it took me 10 years to learn all this stuff, somebody else could read my book and maybe learn it in a year or two mm-hmm. years. Yeah. So hopefully people see the book like that. And then, you know, secondly to your, your question at the end, I think being successful in SaaS sales is, is huge. I mean, it's been such an amazing career. I think it's the uh, pharmaceutical sales reps of 15 years ago. (laughs) What I mean by that is like, that was the gig 15 years ago, being a pharmaceutical sales rep was the gig. That's what everybody wanted to do. I Mm -hmm. think now, SaaS enterprise software is, is where you want to be. It's, it's, I mean, you can make a ton of money. You can work from home. You can get out, you can do cool events. Like I've done um, different sporting events and things you can travel. Um, Man, I, I love it. I, I wouldn't change my career path at all. I'm just so fortunate to uh, have ended up where I did from a a dorky programmer to a salesperson. (laughs) Um, but I love it. It's such a, it, it's a great career path and you can make a difference to people. I think software and, and computers and tech, it's uh, I look at it like that with, with my customers, it's all about selling them something and helping them um, implement something that can save them time, which yeah. ultimately if it saves them time, they can spend more time with their family, you know, eat dinner at home. So I look at it like that. And it's, it's something that I can feel good about. I'm 100% with you there. It, it's an amazing lifestyle. And for anyone out there listening who's not yet in the business, uh, just keep at it. It's going to, you know, you're going to find something. It'll it'll land someday. And, you know, it's it's worth the the effort. It really is, to your point. It opens up so many doors. It, you know, solves a lot of problems in, in the business world. And uh, yeah, I think I got a good idea for what I'm going to name this podcast from dorky programmer to swagger based <laughs> seller. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> Something like that might be kind of fun. Uh, Tim, this has been a great conversation. I seriously can't wait to check out Sell with Swagger. Thank you for coming on and sharing your, your insights with the audience and hope to have you back on soon. Yeah, definitely. Thanks for having me, Jesse. 